This podcast is shareable. Shareable is the podcast fueled entirely by curiosity. Every episode features exciting guests who share valuable advice and insights, how-to guides, and practical takeaways. Join me as I explore the awe-inspiring stories about overcoming the odds, the secret formulas that gave each guest their unique superpower, and the moments that remind us of our shared humanity. Get ready to be excited, delighted, and possibly even astonished, because this podcast is shareable. Welcome or welcome back to Shareable. I'm your host, Jeff Gibbard. And today I have a guest with me who is going to teach us how to be clear on things, I suppose. So Steve, welcome to the show. For those of my listeners who are not yet familiar with you, Steve Woodruff, tell people a few of the most important things they need to know about you. Like what's something interesting and unique that they might not know? Well, I have a nickname and I have no royal blood in my veins, but I have been called the King of Clarity. And uh, this was a nickname bestowed upon me some years ago by my my friend Chris Brogan. And uh, when he wrote that on my timeline uh, for my birthday, you know, happy birthday to the King of Clarity, I saw that and I thought, man, that is great branding, but ooh, it sounds pretentious. Uh, but despite the fact that it was pretentious, I decided to adopt it. And uh, it has been the most effective thing from a branding perspective I've ever done, because you know what? People can forget a lot of things, but they won't forget if you're the king of something or if you're the most handsome something as you are. Sir. So I was going to say, you know, you shouldn't feel any kind of negative way about being called the king of clarity because you didn't. it wasn't like you said it about yourself, as opposed to me, who I made my LinkedIn headline, the world's most handsome social media and content marketing strategist back in the day. Um, right. and, I, and I've also adopted the, uh, the moniker superhero now. So I'm applying words to myself. At least you got that from an outside perspective. So I think it actually carries more weight that way. So run. Yeah. I, I, oh, I've, I've run with it. <laughs> I've run with it for years. And, uh, and people remember it. They just they can forget a million things. But it and my one of my things that I said in my first book, Clarity Wins, back in 2018, was you've got like one pixel of space in people's memory. So you gotta get something stuck in there, a memory dart that is not gonna go away. And so King of Clarity has been my memory dart. I love it. I and I so thoroughly align with that because um I tell people all the time, you have to be a market of one, basically. So like when I go to uh, conferences and I'm a speaker, I'm the guy in red sneakers. And often I have a, a either a superhero shirt on with my logo on it, or I used to have a shirt that said hashtag speakers on it. So it's very easy to find me in that way. Mm -hmm. my, my LinkedIn headline was always distinctive, either superhero, world's most handsome social media strategist. Um, and those carried weight and people would remember those things. And I think if you can if you can embed yourself in people's minds and they walk away and they they can't forget that one thing because it's so unique and distinctive, I think you stand a chance. Well, you and I have, have just before we started talking on this on this podcast, we talked about branding and and I I view one of the greatest challenges for branding, either for individuals or companies, as what I call just another syndrome. Yeah. So if you meet a banker or a realtor or a lawyer, you're just another banker. Yep. Until you're not. 
And somehow you've got to rise above just another and bring out something differentiating and memorable. And that's the biggest challenge in personal branding, corporate branding, even departmental branding in a company. You've got to get a past the just another syndrome. Because then you're irreplaceable, right? Because you can't, if you're just another, then you just bring in another. But if there's only you, there is no replacement. And that that also gives you price control. In the market, if you are the only one who does what you do in the way you do it, and you're they, they want to work with you, you set your prices. And the right. people that want that will get that. So yeah, I'm there's so much we're going to cover today. There, there's branding, there's leadership, communication. These, these are all of like my favorite topics. And here you are, and, and I've already looked through your stuff and I know that the way that you communicate these things is right in line with the way I do it. So I want to get into all of that. But since you are the king of clarity, I'm really, really curious to hear how you answer my big question that I start out with, which is what is the dent you wish to make in the universe? Give it to me clear. What is it? The dent is that I believe one of the greatest purposes that I can fulfill is to help other people find their purpose and wrap words around it. I saw my dad grow uh, older, working in a role that was a dead end. He was a very creative, inventive person. He had no way forward, nobody to recognize who he was, who what he was capable of. And I've always thought, you know, there's such a loss of human potential if we don't know who we are and what our strength is and find a way to really go with that. So my greatest passion is to unleash hundreds or even thousands of people to find a clear purpose, be able to wrap words around that, and then pursue their destiny and not be trapped in somebody else's structure for them. Tell me where this all began. I need to know the background. So you you told a little bit about your dad just there, but I I wanna know, so here's kind of what I'm looking for, right? I wanna know your origin story Mm-hmm. where this thing like you didn't you didn't grow up as clarity royalty right like you weren't a no. prince of royalty before you became a king so there was a, a a point in your life where maybe you were not on the path to being the king of clarity and something happened or you ran into something or you noticed you had a skill or something i want to i want to understand the origin okay. particularly like what is the thing that you ran into and then this thing that you figured out how to do like how did that lead us to here Take us through that a bit. Yeah. So uh, when I when I grew up as a young man, I had a passion for all things space. So I would read science fiction. I wanted to be an astronaut, except I didn't have the eyesight for it. And uh, and I loved astronomy. So I thought when I'd go into college, I could become an astronomer. I'd study to be an astronomer. So I I went to Vanderbilt University. They have a great astronomy program, and I ran into physics and calculus. And thus ended my dream of astronomy, because it turns out it's not just looking at wonderful things in the it's 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 math, man. It's, it's a bunch. of And I don't like formulas. I don't like math. Turns out I'm an idea guy. I'm a thinking person about ideas and concepts and words. So I ended up majoring in psychology because that kind of fit the way my mind worked. And then uh, later on, I went into a, a sales role, sales and some marketing, and I succeeded, but it was constant imposter syndrome. I just didn't, I didn't want to be in sales. I didn't feel like a natural salesperson. I felt like it, I didn't belong. 
And then I ran into Strengths Finder, the book Strengths Finder, and it talked about discovering your own strengths. And I took that and I realized, oh, I, I don't need to be working on weaknesses to try to become something I'm not. I just need to understand who I am. And that was completely revolutionary for me, totally changed my perspective. And it took me into my mid-40s to settle on the most key of the key words for me, which is consultant. I am a consultant. I could do sales. I can do marketing. I can do branding. I can do lots of things. But what I love doing is figuring stuff out. So as I've counseled many people over the years, individuals, and also work with companies, I start with the keywords, the strengths, the differentiators. We've got to find what makes you, you. And then we've got to say, how does that apply intelligently to a market need? Okay, where, where would this fit? And then you can put the words around it. Uh, so it was through that personal voyage of discovery of what I'm best at that I developed my entire philosophy of clarity when it comes to purpose and, and clear words that help us understand direction. You can't get anywhere if you don't know the destination. So a GPS is useless unless you tell it where you're going. Then it can get you there. But a lot of people, they're trying to get from A to B, but they don't know what point B is. They don't know why they're here, where they're going. And it was through the stumbling around and trying different things and failing and succeeding and all that, that I finally began to understand how I'm wired, what my DNA is, and then how to help others find that themselves. So I got to ask you as a, as a peer in this work, how you get past the clients that just don't know, right? Like, so I, I sit down with companies and I will, or, and, and CEOs and leaders of different uh, departments. And I will sit with, them, I, will, I will ask them like, what, what is your brand promise? Like, what will you absolutely always do for the customer? Right. Or, or mm -hmm. why do you do this work? Like, what is it you believe about the world that would cause you to want to do these sorts of things that helps give your solution some sort of context. And I ask them all of these questions and so much of the time, what I get back from them is either a real lack of clarity themselves because it's really hard to bring clarity out of someone who themselves isn't clear or they give me back something that is a jumbled mess of what they think they're supposed to say. I always, yeah. um, I always sort of come back to this example where every city somewhere has, you know, country's best dry cleaner, but are they really, no, but that's just what they call <laughs> them. Like number one dry cleaner, right? Like, right. are you the number one dry cleaner or is that just what you call yourself? And, but it's lost all of its luster. It's lost all of its meaning because the words are overused and they're not authentic. They're, they're not differentiated. They're just generic and bland. And that's usually what I get from people when I ask them, we strive to provide excellent customer service and we, you know, are innovative and blah, 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 blah. So yep. I, I guess two things, one, how do you deal with it? And two, how have you, how have you learned to structure questions to get to what it is that you need to help people gain clarity? Well, you, you bring up questions and that's how I do it. So I don't expect people to be able to articulate it. You can't read the label of the jar you're in. They're too close to their own work and uh, they don't know how to say it. So what I do is I have a series of questions I ask. The first part of my working with people on their brand and their identity is, is messy. It's, I'm just asking a bunch of questions. I know where I'm going. 
sort of. But what I'm trying to do, and so I just say, tell me success stories. Tell me failure stories. Tell me about your favorite client. What did you do with that? How did this business grow? What happened? And what happens is, and it's inevitable, 100% of the time, I've done this, I don't know how many times, 100% themes emerge. Certain words keep coming back out. Certain ideas keep coming back out. And my job is to assemble all those and to say, see what you're saying here? Do you realize that out of all this jumble of stuff, that this is your differentiator? And they'll go, oh, they just thought that was one of 20 things. But to me, it's crystal clear. That's the cool thing. That's the thing that makes you different. So you have to, I reach this wonderful, I call it the mirror, the mirror point in, in an interview with a person or a group. I say, let me hold up a mirror. Is this really who you are? And then I describe it in a few words and they go, oh, yeah, that's it. And then we're off to the races because now we've gotten to the DNA and it's the questioning process. It's just asking question after question after question and looking for keywords. Let me ask you this then. Um, how, how often have you had to deal with or um, how do you deal with when this probably inevitably comes up when despite you seeing the pattern so clearly, you you can they've laid it all out. They've said all the trends. You're connecting the dots. You're like here, here are your values, man. Like here's here's the things that you've been talking about. This is your key differentiator. It's the only thing that makes you different from everything else. And you you show them the truth, mm -hmm. cold, bare in front of their face. And then they look and they go, ah, I don't know. I feel like we do more than that or something. Or yep. they 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 look for it to be more complicated than it needs to be. Like you could yep. say like Nike is just do it, not just do it because you're an athlete who's wearing great shoes and you feel like you're the competitive fire burning inside of you. Like right. just do it encapsulates it all. But sometimes I've found at least in this work, I stumble upon the thing and I show them the thing and they want it to be more, more. complicated, more, Correct. more words, more this, more that. How do you, how do you communicate to someone that, what clarity actually is, is in that simplicity, yeah. that truth. How do you, how do you do that? There's a, there's a certain ruthlessness you have to have smile, smiling ruthlessness, just like my editors of my, of my book, he's ruthless, but he means well. And so I tell people, look, if you try to say to people that you do three things, you do nothing. If you try to get people to digest a paragraph or a white paper, you are totally forgettable. You it does not work. And I go into brain science to convince people you only get a little tiny piece of real estate. You can only occupy one thing. You have to, have to, have to distill. That's the messaging part. The strategic part under it is the real Rubicon, though. You've got to bring people to say, listen, you've got to decide that you're going to say yes to something real specific, which means you're going to say no to all the other stuff. That's the hard part. It's People do not hard. want to give up the idea that, well, I could do this and that and that and that. Uh, I don't want to give up all these opportunities. I say, listen, if you want to have a clear brand, you want to have the narrowest pigeonhole you can because that's the only way to dominate. If you do everything, you do nothing. You're a commodity. There have been some people who cannot cross that river. They cannot give up 
cards on the table. Having... I struggle with it myself. I work with clients and try to get them to to narrow their stuff down. But if you ask me, like Jeff, like what do you do? I'm like, how much time you got, man? Because I've got a thousand different interests and so many. Different... Now I've gotten better at narrowing it down uh, to the few, but that is a hard thing to do, especially if you are legitimately someone who does a lot of things. One of, one of the ways that I've dealt with it with clients is I try to assemble it into an information architecture, whereas you go kind of deeper down, you're able to uncover some of those things, but it's Correct. categorizing and categorizing and categorizing so that at the top, there's one thing that maybe leads to like three parts that then leads to like five other parts and so on and so forth. So that's exactly that's exactly how I do it. And yeah. I had to just, I had to go through this process in the last few months. So I just relaunched my website. Mm-hmm. I have had a scattered identity here. I'm the king of clarity, but I've had a scattered identity as certain parts of my business had been evolving over a few years. I couldn't pull it together. I had to go to a branding agency and I had to get them to beat the daylights out of me to narrow it down to one lead message. And yep. the, the new website, finally, I have a unified, single, clean message. I was violating all my own principles, but I couldn't do it myself. I had too many things and I didn't didn't want to cut any of the arms off and I had to. So it hurts and we all have to do it because there's no way you can have five lead messages. You got to have one. So you have a formula and you have tools and you have all these different things in your bag of tricks. I want to go through some of them and and I want to just pause for a moment and encourage people that if as we're going through this, you're like, this is really cool, really interesting. You should go pick up Steve's book uh, or both of his books, actually. And um, I want to go through some of those pieces of it, though, because I think that that would be a really useful exercise in helping people to understand some tips, tics, uh, tips, tricks, tactics, sort of very practical things of like, how do you get to clarity? Like, how does that work? Because as we just discussed over these past 10 minutes or so, like our process when we're working with clients is not like, we don't go in there and we have like a three minute conversation. We're like, ha your brand. Like it's a lengthy, in-depth soul searching, mm-hmm. you know, there's friction, there's conflict. There's a lot of questions. There's going back to the lab and looking at the notes and picking out the patterns. But clarity has a fundamental nature to it, right? Mm-hmm. We know it when we see it, we feel like, oh, that clicks, that that we've gotten to the point, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the point. You wrote this book. And you structured it in such a way where it's like for for brains like mine, it's just beautiful. There's like formulas and rules and numbered lists and things. So take us through a little bit of like what makes clarity actually happen. Hmm. So when you look at clarity from a branding and identity perspective, the easiest framework and the most helpful one I've used is in my first book, Clarity Wins. To help someone establish their identity and their brand, we look at five questions unashamedly ripped off from journalism, okay? What, for whom, how, why, and where. If you can have single sentence summaries of those five things, what exactly do you offer and do? Not in generic blah, blah, but I mean precise and tangible. For whom do you do it? And I mean titles, levels, exactly what the definition of your customer is who has money and makes decisions. How how many would you narrow that to, by the way? Very narrow. 
most people but, but I mean, like say, one or two of them, or can you have 10 of those? Because I think this is where a lot of people, well, we could sell it to this and we could sell it to that. And and I usually say, if you're going to talk to someone, talk to someone, like think of that one person and talk correct. directly to them. Yeah. You're not talking to managers. You're talking to assistant directors. You're talking to VPs. You've got to actually say, where's this decision normally made? Who's the person that does this? And we want to be brought again. The constant temptation with every single one of these questions, be too broad, be too broad. What do we do? Well, we do this and this and this. No, do that. For whom? Well, no, this group, this person. How? What's your differentiator? What is it that, what's your superpower? And I use the word superpower all the time. I love that you do that. Like, yeah, we just, we just became best friends right now. Oh, yeah. So I talk (laughs) about superpower. Why? Which is what is the customer pain? What makes them open their wallet? Don't aim your offering at generic. Aim it at a specific pain because unless somebody has a headache, they're not going to take your aspirin. And then where is the the market sector? Are you dealing with HR? Are you dealing that like that's a horizontal category across many industries? Or are you dealing only with automotive manufacturing? Are you local? Are you global? Are you virtual? You've got to define the where you do your work. And it turns out that if you can get clear, and it's work, if you can get clear on all five of those questions, that's the foundation of a clear brand. It's the foundation of your strategic messaging. It's the foundation of your selling and marketing approach because all of those targets are all in there. And once you're clear on those five things, then you can come up with your tagline, your lead message, your your campaign, whatever. But those are the foundational pillars of a brand. You've got to be clear on those things. So I talk about technical clarity, which is those descriptive things, and then the shorthand clarity. How are you going to say it in the marketplace that's vivid and quick and cool? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so clarity for branding is is awesome. And so I wrote that whole book on that. But I knew that there was this whole other part of communications, internal communications, collaboration, email, presentation, all of which demanded clarity. And what I did in the five years since publishing Clarity Wins was I was driven by this idea Maybe there's a formula for all communications. So I've seen customers with sales formulas, marketing formulas, all these, and none of them match, but there's some commonality there. So I worked on trying to figure out, could there be a universal formula that underlies all forms of communication, whether it's email, whether it's presentation, whatever industry, whatever position, is there something 8 billion human beings could actually use and agree on? And that's what the second book is, the point. It's a universal formula, four rules, eight tools. Any human can use it to be a better communicator. I am so down with this. Let's do this. Because the question I was going to ask you as you're going through the branding, first thing that popped into my head is like, well, is this exactly the same if you were doing it? as a thinking about it as a leader, like how can you be more clear as a leader? If you're thinking about it from the standpoint of, you know, your own ability to grow and, uh, and, and 
you know, engage with people and grow your network or uh, lead or, you know, be good at sales, be good at marketing. Then there's, there's all these different areas of communication to your point. And I was wondering if the, the who, what, when, where, why was sort of your starting point for all of them, but then you nicely pivoted into uh, answer the question, which I had, which is like, what is the common molecular structure of mm. clarity? And you mentioned that there's four tool, four um, rules, four and rules eight tools and eight tools. Yep. Let's let's start with the rules. I don't know if we'll have time to get to the eight tools. And I also want to give everything away because I think people should go and get your book because I'm already getting the sense, you know, what you're talking about here. Let's talk about the four rules. How does one apply these four rules to be more clear across every area of their life? And if we could, I don't know how you want to do this, but I want to make it super real. Like, I don't want it to be just like an exercise and like, let's, let's just take the framework this in your book. Let's apply it to real life scenarios. Let's either okay. look at something that, you know, a case study you've got going on, something that I'm working on. Let's, let's give an example somehow of mm -hmm. these different pieces in practice. Um, so it's up to you how you want to apply that. I'm going to leave it in your hand in the, in the guest seat to determine how to do that. But I want to make these four rules like really real. So it's not like we're just going to take an email and go all the way across. And then people kind of say, oh, I see how that works only for email. I want sure. them, people to see how the breadth of this actually does connect to all communications. So let's do so, that. So I start with one very common thing that everybody has experienced because you've got to gain agreement with people when you start in on something. You, they've got to immediately get it. So I, st and, and it's actually rule two, but don't tell anybody. Okay. So your secret is safe with me. The secret is safe, except it's no secret because it's all outlined in the book. So I start with this. You got to get to the point. You have to get to the point. And all of us, every human has thought, I wish that person would get to the point. What is going on? We all understand that need to get to the point. So I start with that. Every human in every form of communication has to get to the point quickly. We do not have the leisure to wander all over the place and confuse people. And there's brain science behind it. Mm -hmm. Let me give you an example because this is the most striking statistic in the book. Your brain and mine and every one of our listeners is processing 11 million bits of information Per second, from all five senses, you don't even know it. It's that's going on every minute, every second, every day. Eleven million bits of stimulation pouring into your brain. But you and I talking, this is a sixty-bit flow. We can focus only on sixty bits. That's all. The human brain can only focus on sixty. If you get two or three people talking at once, you know what happens. You can't concentrate. So the brain focuses on 60 and the competition is 11 million. If you're a communicator, you got to win a 60-bit battle for attention. That's Can we just pause on that for just a second? Because that, mm -hmm. first of all, I don't know if we've talked about this, if I covered this, but I have ADHD. So the idea of like several different conversations happening at once and that distracting me is like a very real thing for me. But that percentage is maddening. Like I'm overwhelmed by that concept right now of 60 out of 11 million yep. each second. But it it's... also really does crystallize the competition you're up against. And back in the days of social media, when I was working on that, I, uh, we all of us were talking about the fact that like anything that you put out there, you're competing with everything else that's in the feed along with 
doing nothing or ignoring it altogether or the things that are happening in real life. And that's probably nowhere near as much information as we're perceiving by the second. So that's a fascinating stat. Thank you for sharing that. Well, th- this is one of the ways I put it. Your comp- Everybody thinks about the competition, right? Your competition is not the competition. It's the noise. The noise is our universal competition. We're all fighting the same enemy. We all have the same thing we're up against, 11 million bits. Now, here's the magic, and this is where that brain science becomes extremely helpful. We have a function in our brain, a piece of our brain called the reticular activating system. And one of its jobs is to filter all that stuff and to enable focus. It is what's choosing focus. And so the key to getting the start of a successful communication is how do I get through the RAS, the reticular activating system? What does it want? Well, we know what it wants. It wants the what's in it for me. It wants the relevance. The RAS is tuned to one radio station, WIIFM. What's in it for me? Personal relevance, importance, new and interesting. Okay. What that means is I have to get to the point because unless I get through the RAS quickly, unless I secure your attention by being interesting, new, relevant, I've lost. I've already lost. And so we have to front load every communication from a 30 second TV ad to a podcast to an email to a book to anything presentation we have to front load it with relevance for the audience if we don't get a relevant point first we lose there's 11 million bits of competition that are going to flood in and everybody's got a smartphone and they're all more interesting than you so here's the question that's on at least one listener's mind because it crossed mine what about mystery intrigue curiosity not giving it all away how does that fit in when we want to get to the point, when what you want to actually do is withhold the point to build mm-hmm. the tension and get people drawn in, how does that fit into the, the formula of the model? Using intrigue, using leading questions, as long as it's something that is is important and is is moving someone in the direction that, that they're going to be interested in is great. I'm not saying you necessarily give the entire answer right away, but you've got to lead with something that's going to grab me. Mm-hmm. And make me want to tune in. Mm-hmm. So something even about the mystery or the intrigue or the beginning of a story that you're not going to tell the end of, it's still got to have that hook. Yes. It's like writing a headline on a blog post. It's like writing a headline on journalism. This isn't new, by the way. I mean, it's not like I made this up. Journalists have done this for years. Presentation yep pastors, teachers, everybody's done this. It may not have been put into a systematic way, but you got to get to the point somehow. Okay. So that's rule two. Should we, do we go to rule three and four or do we jump? Oh, no, no, no. How do we do it? If you think about it, rule one, you probably can come up with by yourself. You got to have a point. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Actually, I was, I was, I was a, sec- I was a second a behind you on that one, but that does make <laughs> sense. You can't get to the point if you don't have a point. So it naturally makes sense. Okay. Got it. So many people try to communicate and they have never articulated to themselves where they're going. 
What's the destination? What's the result I'm looking for? What's the point? And this, by the way, is very important for leaders. Okay. We, we mm -hmm. talked about leaders. If leaders are going to communicate with the people that they're trying to lead and they don't have a clear purpose or destination, they can't lead effectively. They can't get to the point and they're just going to frustrate people. Yep. And so you have to have a point. And I have a very simple technique in the book, which is what I call the A to B shift. Okay. Before any commun any planned communication, I'm not talking about, you know, yakking out outside at the fire pit. And that I'm talking about planned communication. The person or people I'm interacting with are thinking, feeling, and acting in a certain way. As a result of this communication, how do I want them to think, feel, and act differently? What's the shift? Where am I going? If I can articulate where I want to take people, that is the point. That's where we're going. And now you can streamline and aim your communication because you know where it's going. As opposed to people that just blabber on and on and on going from, you know, San Francisco to New York all in, in one paragraph. And they're shutting down the brains of the listeners because the brain says, where are we going? I want to know what's happening. You don't have a point. Goodbye. Those are people that are trying to find the point through the talking rather Correct. than having the point before. And and just to, to underscore what you're saying here, the first step in my conversation framework in my book, The Lovable Leader, it's called sitting on the same side of the table. The first step is called set the table. And setting the table is having a goal for the conversation. Exactly. Understanding the emotions that might come up for somebody else and understanding where you want to take that conversation and then getting people's consent for the conversation. So one thing that I would suggest is to take this advice is if you're going to be in an impromptu conversation, you know, aside from planned conversations, you're going to be in an impromptu one. And this is tough for people like me who just want to jump right in, but take a second, take a beat and really do think about what do you want from this conversation? And I do, I also appreciate the call out of what are people behaving like? What are they feeling like? And where do you want them to go? I do that when I write my emails, I try to think, how do I want people that are reading this to feel as they're reading it? And I, I go back through time and time again to try and make sure I get that right. But take that beat and know where you want to go. Because what I typically will see is these are people that will start talking and then you just get a lot of ands, ors, because, so, and it's just a consistent run on where they're hoping that if they talk long enough, they'll get to the point. Well, just as of this morning, I'm planning, a, I'm going to do a workshop next week with about 100 people that are, you know, high level account management, managed market people with a, a major biotech. And, you know, I've got my talk, my two hour workshop, I've got it pretty well structured. But the person that's my main point of contact, let me know that they are in the midst of some significant layoffs that are going to be announced this week that are going to impact that group. And in fact, they're going to have a little meeting before my workshop to just sort of vent. And and, I, and I'm so I'm going to be walking into an emotional climate. That's not exactly what I was. And that's really good for me to know, because yeah. they're going to be feeling and thinking a certain way. And I'm going to have to adapt the way I approach to make sure I've, I'm reading the room. OK, so I may have the same end result, but. It's good to know where I'm starting from so I can try to get there more effectively. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so have a point, get mm -hmm. to the point. Steps yep. one and two. 
take us through three. Step three is get the point across. Now, here's the thing with, with this. We can speak the same language. We can use similar words and not have shared meaning. The fact is human beings have all different experiences, definitions, thought patterns, emotions going on. And there's so much misunderstanding and miscommunication. And you know this from your writings. You can have a, a group in a meeting of 10 people, and they can walk out with 10 different understandings of what was actually said. Because people hear selectively, they don't catch the, the drift of certain words, something is said that's not understood. So the, re the responsibility of the communicator is to make sure we're getting the point across, which means you have to simplify, illustrate, give examples, and use what I call, you know, word pictures and memory darts to ensure that what I'm saying is actually arriving at a meaning and understanding level with people. And those simplifiers, those are the eight tools, by the way. The eight tools are arranged under rule three, which is, you know, get the point across. Those, these are eight concepts, all starting with S, eight verbal tools, shortcuts that we can use to turn the light on. Got to turn the light on. We can't just throw words back and forth. Um, and then rule four is that the ultimate goal, by and large, is we want to get on the same page. The goal isn't just to throw words out. We're actually looking to get aligned. We want to have agreement. We want to have action. We want to have some way of saying, you know, here's how this is here's how this is going to un unfold. And many times, and I know this is going to sound silly, but everybody understands it. The thing lacking in rule four is nobody makes the page. Nobody writes the summary of exactly what's going on. Now, if you think about those four things, have a point, get to the point, get the point across effectively, and then get on the same page, you're doing that in a 30-second ad, you're doing that in a class, you're doing that in a book, you're doing that in a presentation, you're doing it in a podcast, you're doing it for everything. So you can apply this sequence to all forms of human communication. There are so many threads to pull on there and we only have so much time. And before we jumped on, you were like, I think we could probably do a three hour conversation. I am fully in agreement with you now. There's a couple threads I want to pull on there. And I still have some other things we have to uh, to get through in this episode, but I, there, I just have to. So under rule three, you used two words, memory darts. Mm -hmm. what, what were the two expressions you used? So shortcuts, verbal shortcuts and memory darts. It turns out, and this is well known. Again, this isn't original with me. The human brain likes information in certain ways. Mm -hmm. So you don't communicate by dumping white papers on people. That's not memorable. That doesn't turn the light on. So I talk about the eight snippet or the eight uh, tools, all of which start with S. These are the what I call brain-friendly shortcuts. And as soon as I say them, you'll understand why they're effective because you use them all the time. Short, clear statements, just easy statements. Snippets, little tiny factoids, little bits. The brain likes to hook onto snippets. Specifics, you're never going to forget about 11 million bits. I could say the brain's a busy place, but 11 million bits and 60 bits, that's specific. 
Stories. Of course, we all know the brain is hardwired for stories. So illustrate what you're saying with a story. Stakes. What's at stake? What's the risk? This is all, again, part of the RAS saying, is this relevant? Is this important? Well, tell me what the risks are, what the stakes are. If the stakes are, you can't communicate unless you get through the RAS, I've got your attention to listen to the rest of my message because you realize, holy crap, unless I do this right, I can't communicate. Symbolic language, which is one of my favorite. I love symbols. So metaphors, analogies, king of clarity. It's the summary of everything in an analogy. Side-by-sides. This, not that. Compare, contrast. We're using an existing memory hook and we're saying this is, oh, okay, that turns the light on. And then the last S is summaries. The human brain loves summaries. That's why we like bullet points. That's why we like little, you know, uh, agendas at the start, summaries at the end. Those eight shortcuts are what get into the memory and turn the light on. They're just standard verbal tools. We've all used, I'm just arranging them under S's, but these are ways we can actually become great communicators without needing a PhD. We just need to use the things that the brain likes. Love it. Okay. So then the last thing I want to ask you before we, uh, before we close out the episode, get onto the shareables, but you, the, the last point you talked about was alignment and, and um, getting on the same page, which I really appreciate. Cause again, in my conversation framework, sitting on the same side of the table, the last two steps are align and close the loop. So you want to make sure that your two goals are aligned, that everybody is on the same page with, you know, what we're doing, why it's happening, whatever. And then the close the loop is stating that and making sure everybody agrees and consents to it and make, and that you're all on the same page. So again, I really appreciate that. Uh, thankfully, what we were both doing uh, independently, uh, there is some overlap. So thank you for validating me. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, another thing that you had mentioned when we were when you were in the section about um, getting the point across and different interpretations of people walking away, um, where do you stand on um, qualifiers and qualifications and addressing potential misconceptions before they come up? So you, you walk into a room, you give an example, and you're having a conversation with a team of people, and you worry that people might... At how much do you think is it important to preemptively address like, hey, some people might think this, but mm-hmm. what I mean is this. How, where does it's, that fit in? It's way more important than people think. And so I, I tell people, here's the phrase I, I want you to use a lot, which is you want to say what you're going to say, and then you want to say, and what I mean by that is. Mm, and then really you good. give an example. Then you give a definition. Then you give an analogy. Never ever assume that people have immediately gotten what you've said. Always assume that clarification is really going to be helpful because people just plain don't get it. I mean, it's, it's, there's all kinds of stuff in our heads and we, we listen to bits and pieces. We miss things. We use an acronym that nobody knows because of what's called the curse of knowledge, where we're coming into it with so much knowledge in our own heads. We assume everybody else has that in their heads. They don't. And so we've got to explain, simplify, define, and illustrate. So yes, preemptively, always, what I mean by that is. Who would have thought that clarification would be such an important part of clarity? Well, Who would have thought? You know, I've I've made enough boneheaded moves where I haven't said what I really needed to say that, you know, you learn this the hard way. Fair enough. Well, Steve, if you were to um, summarize 
this episode and say, what's the clear takeaway you want people walking away from this episode with? Like, what do you want them to remember? The one poignant thing that they need to take away from this episode? What would you say that is? It's this. Every single listener has a title on their business card that's in written in invisible ink, but they all have it. It's called communication designer. You are a communication designer. You're either effective at designing your communications or you're ineffective. But when you write an email, make a presentation, do a talk, whatever, you are designing communication. These rules and tools are to help you become a great communication designer. You don't need to go to college. You just need to apply these basics. I love it. Well, you have been uh, phenomenal. I want to uh, get into the shareables, which are just a couple things that uh, are kind of the podcast equivalent of things that you would recommend on social media. And there's four different things that I like to ask people about. So I'm going to ask you about those. Um, and then we'll, uh, I'll give you a chance to just tell everybody where they can learn everything about you and where they can get the book and all those different things. So let's do the shareables real quick. Uh, what's something that you have read that you think everybody should read? It could be anything that you can read. Boy, there's so many. Uh, one of the most helpful books I've read recently and which I bought for my five kids and, and had my wife read as well uh, is a book called Soundtracks by John Acuff. And it's a book about how we talk to ourselves, our internal dialogue, and how to get control of it and make it more healthy. And I ha- I'm an extremely analytical person. I'm an introvert. I'm, I have a, a very active mind and I can drive myself right off a cliff. And I found the very simple practical principles in this book, Soundtracks, to be really, really helpful in creating a healthier thought life just as a human being, let alone as a business person. That's awesome. I love getting um, recommendations of things that are just universally uh, relevant and valuable. Um, rather than very niche, like, oh, this is a really good marketing book or whatever. And those are fine too, but I really love getting like a, everyone could benefit this from this sort Mm -hmm. of recommendation. Uh, what is something that everyone should listen to? This could be music. It could be podcasts. It could be audio book. It could be anything. As long as you can listen to it, what's something you think everyone should listen to? Beethoven's ninth symphony. My parents played symphonies and we had this set from, it was the Pittsburgh Symphony, Leonard Bernstein, I think it was this composer, black thing, nine discs. And the ninth symphony is so majestic. It is so amazing. It shaped my musical tastes as a child. And I still, to this day, just love classical music and I don't know. I mean, I've, there are some wonderful pieces, but I don't know if anything matches the ninth. And uh, so if I had to pick one piece of music that, that I had to go on a desert island with, it would probably be that. I love when people recommend music. A lot of people recommend podcasts or audiobooks. I love a good music recommendation, especially because so often I get something like this, which is I don't listen to a lot of classical music and I'm moderately familiar with the great composers, but I'm literally going to jump off of this podcast at the end and I'm going to throw on Beethoven's Ninth. So thank you for that. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, uh, don't tell just anyone. Try to, the, the, just try to keep yourself from jumping up and cheering at the very end because there is the climax of that symphony is absolutely so majestic. You almost have to jump out of your shorts. It's awesome. It's just beyond belief. 
Great. I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. The the dirty secret of the shareables is that they're mostly for me. They're they're helping me build my reading <laughs> list. They're helping me build my my playlists. And so, um, what's something that you've watched that you think everybody should watch? It could be a TV show. It could be a movie. It could be a TED talk. It could be a YouTube video. It doesn't matter. If you can watch it, it applies. What's something you think everyone should watch? So, uh, there's something I saw just a few days ago. It's a relatively new uh, Nova episode called perception deception and this is from their uh, season 50 episode 9 which is recent and it's about how the human brain processes what we perceive it was fascinating i i was so excited i don't get excited watching tv but i was watching this and because i'm so fascinated with the human brain anyway yeah. so much of my it has shaped so much I just thought this was an absolutely astonishing account of how the brain works and filters and creates reality in our heads. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Maybe some people that aren't into brain science won't love it. I was thrilled with the thing. I woke up the next morning and I was still going. Even if you're not into brain science, though, isn't it interesting to think that we're all looking out through our own eyes and seeing the world and we're interpreting all of these stimuli to create the world and then also understand and interpret that world. I used to think of uh, different people and, and uh, maybe some people who are like having a hard time in this particular reality thinking like, what if they're just tuned to a different radio station? We just don't mm -hmm. see it. Like they just have a different frequency that they're on and they see it completely different. And I always had that whole thing about like, if I hold up something that's red, do you see the same red as I see red? Like that whole thing. Like, exactly. I don't know how anybody could not be interested in that. Even if you're not into brain science, like that's just, it's a human condition, man. Like, how oh, it's it's wonderful. Yeah. I I I have, I told my wife. I said, you know what? If I could go back and start my career all over, I think I'd go just go into brain science because I yeah. just find it endlessly fascinating. Well, it, it's like an endless cornucopia of discovery too. Like we know so little about it, despite all we know about. Like we know so little about it, and like consciousness and anyway, whole thing that we can get into. Uh, final question though is, uh, what is something interesting that you've learned, and what I like in this question, if possible, is like, this is like the, what did you have a thought about and then Google and learn something about? So it's very much, you know, what's something that you wouldn't normally stumble upon, but it's something you learned that you think is interesting and you think people should know about. Well, we actually covered that already. And that's this, this whole 11 million bits and 60 bits thing. Um, I always knew that the brain was a busy place. I always knew that given all the screens and all the stimulation that, and we've got this growing tsunami of noise around us, but to have numbers attached to it and to realize that you can actually quantify what attention is, 60 bits of focus. And that there's this, all this other stuff. I, I, I'm still I'm still completely fascinated by it, and uh, and again back to brain science, but um, it's it's one of those like obscure little facts that has an absolute feed on the street, immediate constant application to anybody that's serious about trying to communicate. Do you know the percentage offhand? Because I just decided to do the math. I did it once, but I don't, I don't have it in front of me. It's, so it's, it's, it's astronomical. It's, it's astronomical. insane. It's point zero 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 five four percent Yep. That's like that's, insane. That's like, that's, that's like, that's multiple decibels away from 1%. It's multiple decibels away, uh, decimals away from 0.1%. Like it, it, that's amazing. 
Uh, it's so small. Okay. So thank you for those shareables. I appreciate that. Um, where can people go and connect with you? Where can they learn about you? Where can they email you or contact you in whatever way where they follow you on social? Where can they get the book? Like now is the point in the show for just pure unadulterated, shameless promotion. <laughs> Let people know, like, don't be bashful. Yep. Let them know. So stevewoodruff.com, that's the place. That's the, the new website that I talked about with the rebrand and all that was just launched. And that has links to the book, uh, both books. Uh, the first book is self-published on Amazon, Clarity Wins. So it's only available on Amazon. The second book, The Point, is through Morgan James Publisher, and it's available uh, multiple places online and will be available in physical bookstores too. So I have uh, links to it there. And then a lot of my, I've been through social media you know, I was an early adopter Twitter. I've been early adopter Facebook. I've done I've done all that stuff. By and large, most of my stuff is LinkedIn. My audience is mostly business, mostly corporate, and so I share a lot on LinkedIn. Then, so that's where you'll find a lot. I have a newsletter that you can subscribe to there, and that's where I connect people all the time. I'm, I've built a very large network, even as an introvert. And uh, LinkedIn helps you do that. Uh, and so that's the easiest thing. If you go to LinkedIn and you just put Steve Woodruff, King of Clarity, you know, you'll find me because there I am. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, I encourage everyone to go and uh, obviously pick up the books um, and go and check out Steve on LinkedIn. Go connect with him and go say hi, go follow his stuff for a little bit. Uh, obviously, don't do not do that thing where you reach out and you try to sell him, uh, you know, a new website or something like that. Oh, right I know that's going to happen, but whatever. <laughs> It's part, part of being on that. Okay. So at, uh, here on shareable, uh, I like to close out the show with gratitude and I do it in the spirit of, and with love for my book, the lovable leader. Um, so when I say lovable leader, people tend to think about someone, they tend to have a picture in their mind of someone from their past. And the way I describe a lovable leader is someone that clearly cared about you as a leader. Mm -hmm. They were someone that you trusted, uh, and they were someone who made it safe for you to make mistakes and fail on the way to achieving big and ambitious goals. So on this part of the show, what I like to do is I like to give my guests the opportunity to speak directly to that person in their life. This person can be with us. This person can have, can have passed on. But the idea is for you to speak directly to that person. I mute my microphone. This is not a story for me. This is a moment between you and that lovable leader for you to just share whatever gratitude or thanks uh, is important to you. You can say as much or as little as you want. You can say, I have nothing to say. There's no one that fits that. It's completely up to you. But this is, uh, I think, a thing that we don't often get the chance to do is really take a moment to appreciate and thank the lovable leaders that have made a big impact for us. So I'm going to mute my microphone and give you the opportunity to just talk to whoever it is you want to talk to. So at one point early in my first sales career, uh, there were two of us that were splitting up the country and we were each struggling with different areas uh, of, of our capabilities. And a new manager of us was brought in. His name is John. He was a friend of mine, actually. And he came in and he saw that each of us was trying to do things that were not really in our wheelhouse. And he said, instead of you two having two territories, why don't we split the country by capability? Steve, you run this, and Rob, you run this part. And he recognized, this was even before I'd read that StrengthsFinder stuff, he recognized that we really needed to go in our strengths. And he believed in us. And that was the thing. We didn't have the sense that we were believed in. 
until he came. And it turns out I can do anything if you believe in me. Uh, and so this man, uh, whose name is, is John, I'm not going to give his last name, uh, made a massive impact just by simply believing and making a wise choice about how to distribute talent in a little organization. So tell me, what was most valuable or useful for you in this episode? Send me a message or hit me up on social media. I'm easy to find, but there's links in the show notes just to make it easy. Seriously, I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, there's a couple things you could do, starting with subscribing to the show. And after that, head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate the show five stars and leave a review. Consider sharing this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. Or just buy me a latte or an old-fashioned by hitting up that tip jar. If you're looking for a good book to read, may I suggest The Lovable Leader, which covers how to build great teams with trust, respect, and kindness. It's built exclusively for brand new managers, and it's a handbook that will serve you well in your journey of leadership. Just search for Lovable Leader wherever books are sold online. And 